actually. Welcome, listeners, back to Dark Tides. BJ's breathing, which is a good thing. Yeah. We had to check that beforehand. Uh, we Bird, that obviously deserves a star. That, no. Stars equal achievement. Yes, stars are for achievement. A breathing shouldn't be achievement. Um, <laughs> look, very true. We're back with episode 15, I think, of uh, yeah. season three. Um, yeah, we're back. Hi, how are you? Hello. I'm good, thank you. Thank you for asking. Everyone does. Um, I'm your host, show creator and narrator, Aubrey Lydon, and I haven't forgotten how we start these episodes. With me, as always, are Chester Lydon. Hello. And BJ Ingate. Hello. Uh, and today we will be continuing our adventure in the Dark Tides universe. We're, we're going in... Com- well, I, anyway, am going in completely blind as to what we're doing. Um, I didn't even no. know for sure that we were going to record this episode today until Ew. about, what? 40 minutes ago, an hour ago, something like that? Yeah, we were tossing it up. All right, look, I'll lay out the situation for you. Chester's getting married in like... Busy. <laughs> Chester's... Again, Chester, who's editing, please bleep Chester. I, where, I he always will be busy do. censoring no, himself. Last time, I'm pretty sure you bleeped yourself once <laughs> out I of forgot. three times, which makes it... Well, remember. Feel like, which makes it feel like you said something much worse than you did because you didn't bleep other things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. All right. The, the the context for why this intro is the way it is. Chester is getting married in what? Uh, 10 days? Yep. Less than 10 days. Something like that. Oh, Stop on that grain, said me. We've realised <laughs> that, that today might be our last opportunity to record Pretty before much. that. And we don't know when we'll record after that. Um, exactly. So we're yeah. figuring some of those things out. Um, plus, BJ was up at 3am. Yeah. Um, Stop doing that. Stop streaming. And I've been sick for six <laughs> weeks. So... Our lives are a shambles. Yeah. I have a cocktail in one hand and a beer in the other, and I'm podcasting a straight line. So I think you should be proud of me. The two glasses are balancing him out. <laughs> one is decidedly bigger than the other. It's true. Um, You'll listen, never guess yeah. which. Stout, the, the mass of stout per inch is greater than that of a inch? cocktail. Since when have we used inches to measure liquids? My grandfather would do a finger. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, All right. Now, do you have fun facts? That's something we haven't done in a long time. I'm not expecting you to have them, but I, if you had them, we could do them. I can tell you my fun fact from today, the day that I had. Uh, that so I was this is a BJ about. fun fact. That's a BJ fun it's a, fact. It's a certain subset of fun facts. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do, you want, do you want me to go first? Mm-hmm. All right. So while Chester thinks of how he can copy BJ's answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I <laughs> got up at 3.50 this morning, which was fun. Uh, not voluntarily. Well, yeah, not, not you know, not voluntarily and not, not just sort of by accident. I deliberately had to get up because I had to drive all the way to Sydney to do a job then this morning. It was voluntarily. I, shut up. <laughs> yes, probably. It, was my, it wasn't my choice. I, I, I got up I, myself. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how that works. Any point is, I got up very early, drove to Sydney. On the way, I, I was about 15 minutes away from my destination, or 20, uh, 20 minutes away from my destination, um, in the, the busiest of the four-lane traffic, uh, when the, the group chat for the event, uh, there was a call and many messages and audio messages saying that the client had somehow messed something up and they had booked the wrong day. So we were given the correct location and the correct time, but the wrong day. <laughs> so the client thought the job was next Tuesday 
And we all thought the job was this morning. So that was fun. Mm -hmm. So I turned around and went home. And I was back home by like 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) Like you never left. I know. I know. I was like, I'm up, like sitting at home, you know, making a snack. And I'm like, this is earlier than I would have got up normally. Like I wouldn't even be awake for another hour yet. It was crazy. That was my morning. Uh, Then I did some editing work and played No Man's Sky. Cringe, you're not on that star field yeah. grind no, yet. No, it's the closest thing I can get. It's the closest Didn't, thing that's 900 I, bucks. Right. Could, yeah, exactly. It's way too expensive. At the risk of derailing what we already know is we're here to record one episode to, to get us through Chester's wedding. <laughs> we are f- filling a requirement. <laughs> we're filling a requirement. <laughs> this is not art. I will tell this you. This is a checklist. <laughs> I went for a walk this afternoon. It was art. And, and I then planned one of them got this married. episode. Yeah, uh, and that's the first time in I would say this season wow. that I have notes on my computer for what we're recording. Well so done. In some ways, yes, we're here out of obligation, and I think we should be congratulated for it. But I have put in more effort today. Um, the listeners than- <laughs> can decide if this episode is going to be better or worse guys, than the guys, unplanned guys, guys, season guys, that's come before you, it. Guys, hold on. If you guys want to reward us for this type of behavior, <gasps> head over to Patreon.com/slash/DarkTides. Uh, for a dollar a month, you can check out our prequel sequel series that is running every other week. A dollar a month, and a you get a, a whole month. other like extra week of dark time. Wait, is that actually what we're, what it's on there for? It's a dollar a month. Who made that financial decision? Me, because I am running <laughs> Patreon now. A uh, dollar, okay. You had to do it to them. Let me explain. When they get in, I mean, then they were like, oh. I Series. I'm going to cut this out. Making a joke, Chester. It's, it's a hint. It's the indoctrination theory. <laughs> Chester is not making a joke. Um, I know, I'm very. I thought about this. Yeah. Anyway, back, please give us money. Back um, on track to the thing that I was going to say that was going to derail us. Uh, no Man's Sky's. No Man's Sky is made by who? Hello Games. Yes. And the other one that you were just saying... Bethesda. ...is made by Bethesda. Didn't Bethesda make a sci-fi game not that long ago? Fallout 7. No, no, no. 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 After that, they they made... um, Oh, what's it called? The the, the one with the big big ship with the four engines. What you're thinking is is, um, they published Prey. No, that's not they it. Didn't make no, it. I know what you. I know. I'm going to Google of. this. Just to give you a fun fact while I Google this. Um, so my fun fact was, uh, I was at work because I work now. Um, <laughs> crazy. Mass Effect. Uh, um, Is that what you're thinking of? Sorry, no. cut you off. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you once I, I figure this was out. Bioshock, and that was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, so I was at work, twiddling my thumbs. Uh, been there for about an hour, so it was like oh, nine o'clock. Um, I was I was working hard and I was like, okay, I got this. I nearly this, got this, home. This. I just got home from work. This, this was yesterday. This was, this was oh, okay, okay. I was like, I gotta get this done, this done, this done, this done. I got this like selection of things, and my boss comes in and is like, hey, uh, you're gonna come with me to Sydney <laughs> now. It's like, right? Wow. I was like, that stuff wrapped up. I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> We're going now. 
And I was like, and I was like half getting up, very confused. I was like, we gotta go. Get, we gotta go get a trailer. <laughs> so we first. gotta go now. We gotta go now. We gotta get a trailer first. <laughs> the jig is up. We gotta go now. So we got in his car and we're going off and we go up the road uh, to like a, a work store and we picked up a trailer there that was like Bluetooth connected. You didn't plug it in to get the the like lights working oh, through that. There is fancy. no way you plug that it in would by USB. Work. It works perfectly. Uh, okay, can I they take shook. can they take whatever technology they have in that trailer and put it in every Bluetooth device I've ever used? It's amazing, or just my car? So well, you, just anything that doesn't work. What it is is you plug it into a USB drive in like a USB plug in the car, and then you have to have your lights switched on. And that information somehow tells the cut the USB thing the information that it needs for wow. the trailer. There's how because oh, then the electric system in your car is, is all safe? online to run. Yeah, the, and so it's running. It's running okay. the the brakes, the lights, and the indicators. That's terrifying. I know. That's so scary. We were talking about. Time, I was like, why is why are yeah. trailers Bluetooth now? I don't understand. At the same time. I have destroyed the um, the like power electronics plug in, oh, in yeah, our dad's it in there. <laughs> no no in our dad's um, trailer by just not plugging it in and letting it drag on the ground uh, at least twice. <laughs> Um, and apparently yeah, those things are hard to replace here for some reason. They are, so yeah, because they're that, a specialist. Product. That actually sounds like a thing I need. Yeah. So we were um, wow. we were driving along, just going to the highway, and it was like, all right. So we've got these big. Like stands that these signs are going on, and I've seen them. Like I helped, um, I like I checked them out with them. That we, we had them fabricated, and they needed to be sandblasted and then powder coated Ooh, before they could be installed. Fancy. And uh, he was like, so I dropped it off to this one place. They um, quote like we hadn't exactly worked out a quote, but they were saying it was like in the four grand type of area. So in the seven grand type of area, and I was like, that's very expensive, but I know that would be like a great job. And I was on the phone with them recently, and they said, no, actually, we uh, quoted you seventeen thousand dollars. The new quote is ten thousand dollars, and it was like, well, how has the quote gone from that and now dropped ten grand, like dropped to ten grand, even though I just told you that the size is actually increased for them. I don't trust you guys at all of your quoting. And so it's like, so what we're doing is we're going up there uh, and we're going to grab them. <laughs> and I'm expecting no one's going to help me. Wait, so the, I need the a second. signs or the employees up there? <laughs> we're going to grab them by the we're, collar. No, we're going to grab the, the signs oh, because no. no one's going to help me. No one's going to help me. I need to get them out of there quick. Because so I've got another person who I'm going to take them to who can do it for four grand. So you heisted your own signs? <laughs> heisted our own stuff. <laughs> Is that, that what I saw is today? The coolest this, thing. This is the weird little thing. Chester and I work for completely separate businesses that just happen to be next door to each other. Yeah. So Chester and I live together for now. In a week, we won't, um, or whatever. But we also work next to each other in completely different <laughs> businesses. So I'm I'm forklifting timber around doing whatever I need to do. And, and then just today I'm seeing Chester, Chester and his boss looking at what seemed like an unfeasibly large bench with something on it <laughs> in the middle of the car park. I was like, that's... No, no, that's a different thing. We had that's a different thing? We had laminated a sign badly <laughs> and it was like, I know how to fix this. And so we put it out in the sun for half an hour and the plastic like oh. reset itself. And I was like, it's magic. <laughs> Okay, brilliant, cool. So, yeah, I, so was, far, every 
story that Chester's told me from his new workplace has made me both think that they're a lot better and worse at their job than I could have possibly <laughs> that, imagined. That it's is like literally... Some of the things they pull off is so impressive. And then there's like, you were telling me about this install that went over for, by like seven hours and yeah. somebody was like crawling inside a sign to try and solder it together. Yep, yep. Like, man, that's just... <laughs> and duct taping it up. Yeah, yeah. That is my experience with every single job I've ever had has made me go... You know what? I think I used to just assume that this industry was full of professionals who just know what they're doing and it's not that hard. And then every t- and then I'm like every workplace I've ever been is so dodgy. I think that might just stuff. be and then what they life just pull is like. like. And then because the thing is though, the thing is you then go, well if that's the case in kitchens and in cabinetry <laughs> companies and in restaurants, I wonder if that's the case in the government and the police and, absolutely and, and airplanes absolutely and things I'm like in which case is. i suddenly feel like on the one hand i feel like ah uh, everyone's human and ev- nothing really works I but on the other hand i'm like i'm not comfortable the, like, with in, how many in, institutions <laughs> that i rely big, on don't super, actually function you know super dangerous things like you know building planes you really got to build them well i don't think it's that they function any better it's just that there's <laughs> so many more people and safety checks they go through they they have to pick up the slack See, eventually but but that's the thing is I agree with that, but then I see one of them on the computer, like in Illustrator or Photoshop. Yeah, and, and it's I like feel wizardry. like an eight-year-old man watching them. Yeah. Like they know commands, they know their way around Windows, they know their way through like command prompt through Illustrator, through Photoshop. They are just like gliding across the keyboard, and I'm like, I feel like an old man with MS Paint over here. Yeah, <laughs> I've never, and they're like twenty years older than me. I'm like, I've never experienced this before. That's the I. Exactly the same thing in in like performing arts and filmmaking and stuff. It's like the same thing. It's like all the the mentors and people that have like helped me along the way. It's like you get there and you're like, man, this is so unorganized and no one knows what they're doing. And then like that person steps out onto the stage or like does their thing and you're like, oh, okay, (laughs) I have a long way to go. And also they're just like me, (laughs) just unorganized like me. Yeah. Anyway. Robert, do you have a fun, fun fact or a little snippet of your life that you want um, to share? I have two things that I'd like to share. The first is that I figured out what the game was. The game was Outer Worlds, which, oh, right. which played so um, much like a Bethesda game, no, I just yeah. assumed it was. It's because it is. It was made by the company that made one of the Fallout games. They made Fallout New Vegas. Okay, so they're, they're an affiliated. Yeah. Their, their, their game, uh, Fallout New Vegas, is what every Fallout game is like trying to be. You know what it's like? It's like... Jason, I haven't played. It's like Everon. The sequel series of Dark Tides <laughs> that you can listen to on our Patreon. It's like, it's so much like a Dark Tide series because it is. It's made by one of the creators, just not by Aubrey. Yeah, if you go to uh, darktides.com slash give us money, please, um, you'll find a link to page. <laughs> we don't have a website, guys. Chester's working on it, but we didn't have a functioning website. Could you listen, imagine if, if that was our Friday domain? Off, <laughs> if that was our domain. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the thing. I'm, I'm making a very thinly veiled joke. Uh, Spout Law, one of the the other podcasts, like D and D podcasts that I listen to, uh, literally they their website just has a section called Money Please, isn't that? And that's p- where they link people to all the different ways they can support it. Is go to dark t- uh, go to spoutlaw.com slash Money Please and <laughs> donate to us at one of these places. Isn't that the same podcast that you've revered for being really nice to their audience? Yeah, they're really. So I think that proves really that we nice. haven't gone far enough. And you know what they do that we don't do. They really remember what they did in the last episodes. They nice. they just recall plot details. And today I realized I have forgotten what mother's first name is. 
I know what it is. Oh. I can tell you what it is, but it starts with it's a, a, a- Alanya. Alanya. See, I was thinking maybe it was something I got one like letter that. boys. Anyway. Um <laughs> See, we remember. We got it. Well, I As don't and that's part of the I'll, thing. I'll say of uh, yes of uh, the previous episode, the only thing I remember is the ending, and it's because they had to edit it three times. Like I was, I had to go over it three times because I wanted it to like be yeah, yeah. like yeah. perfect, and so it was like a three pronged uh, approach. You edited it, it made me increasingly sad each time. <laughs> See, I listened to it several times when it came out. I listened to the ending uh, several times, and I think that the uh, spoilers. And if you're listening, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you know what? No, you don't get a spoiler warning. <laughs> Um, you no. deserve this. The the line, run like the wind, little witch, is maybe my favourite single line from three seasons, plus all of our bonus content of Dark Tides. Thanks, BJ's Except possibly brain. for the line that I said in oh, a recent Everon episode. Here we go. That I'm pretty sure we're now cutting most of that episode. Which one? Um, the, uh, the, what was it? Um... I hate to die. No, no, no. It's it's uh, it's Francis's line where he says the bullet hole. Uh, no, no. It was <laughs> no, not the I'm gut shot one. <laughs> it was the um, tell you what, spooks may be a real freak, but I'm the one that enjoys this. That's right. That was. Good. I was very very happy with that. Can um, you leave that in and just censor all of that? Because <laughs> you don't get to listen to that to like what. <laughs> Three months or something, two months. Probably. So it's everything but that line, and then you have no idea what it's in. Yeah. Anyway, all right, we need to actually start the episode. Um, <sighs> yes. Because we have an hour. No, we don't. It's all right. <laughs> no, we, no, we, don't. we have we 45 be, minutes. Oh, no. I said we would be finished by nine, and then we I don't know what about. time is. Out of space. All right. Well, you were also watching Adventure Time when I got here, so, you know. Josh hadn't finished dinner. <laughs> We tried. I tried very hard, BJ. It's okay, Aubrey. It doesn't if I was matter. to describe it's okay. myself, it's all right. It's not real. In any way, it would be trying fault. my best. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's, it's your Look, fault. if you're not it's Robin not Williams, fault. that's not going to work, Chester. It's your fault. It's your fault. I would, cr- you know, if if you were Robin Williams saying that Chester, to me, I might break down Robin and cry. Williams but it would be podcast. because he's come back from the dead. The reverse Robin Williams of the podcast history. <laughs> it's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. You did this. All right. We're getting into the episode. Uh, I'm so tired. Let's do it! <laughs> I'm awake. Ernest Marsh, you are once again in the dreaming. <laughs> uh, you are lying in inch deep water. You are looking up at the. Have we ever? Have we ever talked about what the sky of the dreaming no, looks I like? Think so. I think it looks like. We talked about the the bottom of it. I think it look the sky of the dreaming looks like a starry sky from a mountaintop. 
You can see all the points of light, but no big constellations. It's just a far-off glimmering of tiny lights. Yeah. Uh, Ernest, you feel exhausted. You feel like you have been hit by a truck. You are bone-weary. Everything in you is saying, let me sleep. But you are conscious, you are in the dreaming, and Luna is nowhere to be found. Ernest feels the the sharp poke on his cheek just a few times. Me, 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 me. No, I'm I'm good. I'm just gonna be here. What? <laughs> Sticks his tongue out and closes his eyes. Ernest, wake up! I didn't come back from the dead to just watch you lay about. No. I'm, I'm, Ernest like starts to roll over, so his face. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Ella gets up. He like stretches, limbers up, and he kicks him as hard as he can in the side. Can, can, get up! Can I um? Can I make a suggestion? I think I think in his stretching, he like stretches the arm over the head, the arm over the head the other way. He like twists. A couple of times, he does like some deep lunges. He's also and then wearing he just... cleats for some reason. <laughs> and then he just takes like three steps back and takes a run up. <laughs> into he kicks the him kick. so hard, Ernest like flips back over onto his back. Go <laughs> away! <laughs> My mind palace, go! <laughs> There's like a sun as like the water like. Uh, disappears around this kind of like circle of standing water, and Al has to like take a couple steps back. So there's like a, a meter gap. Ernest slowly gets up. Uh, what does he see? He sees that the dreaming is lapping in shallow waves. Al like opens his arms. Good morning. And he gestures. It's all boogler. <laughs> oh, Chester just delivered that with so much confidence. <laughs> but like that pause, there were so many things. Like, and I, I was worried. I'm as I'm watching him ramp up. I'm going. Well, like, he's gonna have to bleep whatever I this know. is. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking was the same thing. Like he could say anything, and I still didn't see it coming. And just gestures at the ground. Well. Boogler. Exactly. <laughs> I've measured it. It's not Woogler, it's Boogler. Fix it. I can't. I'm not like, I mean, I can do, and this kind of like, like opens up his arms and an area of like 50 feet or so kind of flattens out. It's like, I'm not in control of the dreaming. It's not like. Also, oh, it's not your mind. Finish your sentence. It's, it's not, it's, it's not my mind. pass. <laughs> I have a fifty. Have a fifty-foot radius of influence, um, Ernest. As you spread out this fifty-foot influence, which is a, an arbitrary number that Chester picked, um, in the clear, hey, that's an arbitrary number. <laughs> you made I, that up. I, I can feel, scientifically prove it. I feel like we should make it canon. That, Alec gets out a measuring Oogle, tape. <laughs> that Woogler and Boogler are <laughs> uh, units of measurement that Allah has invented specifically for measuring interdimensional. I've weird stuff. Things. I've coined them. They're mine. Two dollars every time you say them. Come on. <laughs> Just the Dark Tides version of wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Oh yeah. I came off that as well. 
I'm in your mind holes. <laughs> and that's I I think that that is also canon, but that is just that is just Alan just like point <laughs> off in the distance. Yes, I own your mind. Um, <laughs> Ernest, in this clear space, <clears throat> this clear space that you have created you again see the dim, distant, flickering light deep below you as if on the ocean floor below these waves that looks almost like a campfire. What is that? You you know things. You know more than you tell me. What is that? Allah goes on to tell you. So. <laughs> um, Ooh, okay, no, how how best to explain this? This is not something that Al can tell you, but this is something that Ernest now realises. Ernest, as you are flexing your muscles in this space, in the dreaming, you realise that something has changed. You have more influence over the dreaming than you did before. You are no longer just a dreamer, Ernest. You are the champion of the dreaming. And this comes with certain powers and privileges. One is a greater access to the dreaming itself. In many ways, the dreaming is, or the dreaming that you see, is a metaphor. All these things that you can conjure up, lazy boy armchairs and anything else that Ernest has created because Aubrey doesn't really remember these are not exact. they're not the real thing they are dreams of the real thing and Ernest realises that that one inch of water is how deep he is in the dreaming and you realise now Ernest that if you were to push if you were to, to tinker with it you might be able to descend deeper into the dreaming than you ever have Ernest is kind of thinking this is Alistair as um, Alistair is doing this long-winded <laughs> Well, you see So you have to understand <laughs> Well, also not knowing what he's talking about I have to The explain. elites don't want you to know this And I was like A boogaloo is not a unit of measurement That's what they say And I was like You know It's weird I just and he like uh, Creates like a line of Um uh, lampposts off into the distance. I feel a strange amount more powerful. That's all. <laughs> did you did you go through all of that to bring the guitar in here? And you didn't do a chord? Nope. <laughs> Shut up, Bella. Just uh, puts back the uh, the guitar. <laughs> Puts it back to where? So, shall we? And he branches his arm out, and the water concaves down like subway steps. Down. It's like, I'm just going to go until my influence runs out. I will say that Allah cannot follow you. Allah starts taking a few steps down, and he turns back to see Allah waiting at the top. He's just now, like, waist deep in water from Allah's perspective. And Allah looks like a cat left at the top of the stairs as you're leaving downstairs. He looks angry. <laughs> He's got that same look in his eye. 
Just you know I what it is? Just because I don't have a soul doesn't mean I can't go kick the wall. It's me. I can't go down. Yeah. What I've realized. What I've realized. <laughs> <laughs> He's, <laughs> He's got that look of a cat that's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to push the thing off. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. He kicks the wall I, again. You know what I think that that is? I think it's that Allah realizes that um, in his weird little world and existence, the dreaming is like the one place where he can just bully Ernest. And he has, he has like, ah, oh, you can't get away from me. Uh, I'm here. And now Ernest has found a way to get away from him in the dreaming. And he feels like he's just lost. Just like, he's lost this level of control over his own world. My one source of entertainment. The only thing I had got- Back on Broadway once again. It's fine. <laughs> Ernest is just taking I slow steps the water into down. my face, I swear. It's okay. <coughs> I'm just... I'm going to go over here. <laughs> and he wanders off. <laughs> you know what? Um, on an undark tides related note, today is Are You Okay Day? Um, and I think that's a that question was, someone should ask okay. to Ella <laughs> today. Ella... How's it feel? Like a, a, he goes and like slumps down, sits in the in the like the water, and he kind of like brushes her aside a little bit. Just take, just take notes. I'd like to know what's in there. It's really good. Um, and if you see anyone down there. Make sure you get their name. I'd like to know. Okay, bye. <laughs> and uh, Ernest descends down the stairs. Okay. Well, we're going to leave Ernest there for the moment. Alistair Stern, you are sitting on the cold ground, your bare feet in the sand. Uh... To your right, there is a crackling, small fire built out of driftwood. You are looking out between um, some thin, weedy trees at the rolling waves, and beyond that, the mist. About an hour ago, you regained consciousness, floating in the shallows on this beach. Ernest was with you. Puck and Nancy too. And Marv. Hell yeah, baby. An hour later, you sit by this small campfire. Ernest has not regained consciousness. This does not worry you as much as it might. If I knew what he was doing. Maybe. What does worry you is that Puck is also unconsciousness. She, uh, you have done your best to staunch the bleeding from a deep head wound to the back of her skull the battle that you and Ernest waged on the stalkers that came out of the storm and a myriad other things now feels like a dream like an unreal event you are not sure how much of it was real you you remember a great many things that even to you with your extensive experience of the strange and the weird and the supernatural, feels like some kind of dream. 
So here you sit with your cold feet in the sand, watching the waves roll in. And I will say it's also night. Um, Mm. It is dark now. Nancy is huddled close to the fire. She seems quite shaken. Ernest and Alice, Ernest and Puck sleep. You have uh, Puck's head in your lap as you brush uh, wet strands of hair from her face. Marv, or the being that you take to be your Uncle Marv, paces up and down the beach. As you look at him, he is the same old Marv that you've always known. Large beard, bald spot on his chin, slightly wild hair, a disheveled look. But as you blink, he is a 17, 18-year-old boy in short uh, trousers pacing. And then he is an old man, withered and grey and hunched. And then he is back to the Marv that you know in his mid-40s. Whatever this being is that is Marv, it is not stable. He is flickering between three versions of himself all co-joined, but none, none taking dominance. So, so, yeah. And so, Alistair sits. Uh, Alistair's <clears throat> pretty much just staring down into the sand, gently, uh, sort of moving the the collar of Puck's shirt around restlessly, trying to keep the water and the blood away. And I think he's just been muttering to her kind of in his own, sort of to her, sort of just in his own head for the last however long they've been sitting here. Okay, I swear if we ever get out of here, I never want to see an ocean again in my life. You feel your body is bruised and tired, like every single muscle has been pushed beyond what it should be able to hold. You feel like you have just run a marathon or done some other ridiculous feat of endurance training. This even pushes anything that you ever did a tear. You feel dead tired. As you, like, flex your hands a little bit, you feel, like, the muscles through your hands and arms just burning. And uh, the voice of your old master comes to you for a moment, saying, If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't work. I swear that man had an unhealthy amount of injuries. I don't know how he kept moving. I know, I know. He's, like, talking to Puck, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Almost like she's a cat, you know, how you like talk to a pet. Yeah, I know, fey magic, I know. I wish I had some fey magic. <sighs> Puck, we can't stay here. Nancy, at this point, pipes up. She has been lost just staring into the flames. Nancy also looks bruised and injured. She's uh, cradling her, her right arm close to her chest. It might be bruised or sprained or strained she's not really sure 
Um, for you have known Nancy now for something like twenty plus years. Uh, Nancy is a big woman. Nancy is quite tall, very broadly built. Um, she's a very physically capable woman. You have never seen, except for one, one other instance, you have never seen Nancy quite so flat out tired. She is just staring into the fire and she says, that's the gamble, right? How long can we hold on? can't do this forever I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this and I can't I can't imagine for, for you and, 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 and Puck it's worse for you I don't have have winged angels or whatever they are interfering in my life every single day when I wake up first thing that enters my mind before I even open my, my eyes or anything is Alistair you should have left you should have left day one and uh, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for the people and for Carrion and all the reasons why I know we had to stay I, I don't know what that thought would have done to me having been here this whole time I, don't know, but I think now now we're done I, 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 I don't know why we're still here be a reason. I mean, it's all academic, right? We can't leave. You saw the boat, the people who, well, what was left of the people who tried to go. It's not like we're Nancy, choosing. Nancy, this, whatever's going on here is... I don't know if we can leave. But I sure as hell know it's not going to be as simple as getting in a boat and rowing out into the horizon. And I'm a fool if I ever thought that was possible. And it is... The blood is on my hands of the people who try. Oh, don't... Yeah, I know, but it's true. Look, okay. You have been... You and Puck have... Together, you've been the de facto leaders of our community for at least a decade. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lecture you on, you know, leadership. But I'll tell you one thing that I got in my training that it seems like you never got in yours, and it's the thing that makes me able to sleep at night, or at least it used to. I was a police officer for a long time. It's a quiet town. Not that much stuff happens. You know, like it's not like I was in an inner city. But people can make their own decisions and people can make bad decisions. And even if you are responsible for their safety, 
like a police officer, like a paramedic. You can't, you can't take their freedom away by saying, I should have known better, I should have stopped them. Like, our job, even as, as, as leaders or protectors or whatever, our, you know, we have a lot of influence, but not a lot of control. Who's that? Your wife texting you while she's unconscious? Alistair's phone buzzes in his pocket. He picks it up. Hey, I haven't mom. had a. <laughs> I haven't had a message in thirty years. Well, hey, mom. No, I won't be back later. <laughs> I'm not coming home for Christmas. Stop. Anyway, you, do you look. I. Gosh, I'm so tired. So, we. We both trust Ernest, right? Uh, unfortunately? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. From what Ernest said, it's no better out there than it is here. So even if you had left, would you and Puck and Sky be any better off? You don't know. I don't know. No one knows. We are where we are. Yes, that's kind of the, the catch-22 of living in the eye of the storm, I was going right? to say that, but then I haven't read the book, Neither so I don't I. actually know if that's the I one. ordered it once. It, it got delayed in the post. Remember, I... Post. That's a true story. Yeah, I guess that's the thing with living in the eye of the storm is... We're in the most danger, in a way... But we're also living in reality. As messed up as that is, we can take it seriously. Nancy pokes the fire with a stick and throws a few more chunks of brains. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think what's the right word because yeah, I'm I'm thinking of like smashed up bits of timber but I guess it's still driftwood even if it's not sticks uh Nancy uh, what I'm gonna lie down now okay so I'll just wake me up if um, take her if she Puck or Ernest she kind of moves around the fire to support Puck's head he, I, I think he, he would like keep Puck's head on his lap and just like lie back. Just like, oh, <laughs> he like lies I'll, back. Um, yep. She, she, I'm down. She pulls her firearm out. Cause I'm pretty sure we said that she had a gun. No, she had something else. Like a half. I'm just gonna say that she pulls out her gun. Whether we, whether canonically we said that she had one or not, I don't remember. She pulls it out and it just like trickles water. And it's like, don't worry, I'll, I'll keep watch. Yeah. Don't worry, I, I'm feeling great. I'll f- I can fight off a bear. He goes to sleep. <laughs> Ernest, we know... Uh, sorry. Alice, do you know that there's no canonical bears on this island? Ooh. We return to Ernest. Ernest, this flight of steps that you have created goes on and on and on and on. What is going Ernest? To work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to work. I was literally going to say, what is Ernest singing to himself? 
beep, beep, beep. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to Shoot to my steps. I'm going to I'm going to Now, are the steps made out of water? water? Yeah. Yeah. Just dark water. Yeah. Strangely difficult to slip. <laughs> Strangely difficult to slip. <laughs> it's kind of grippy. Kind of grippy. Kind of grippy. Not so grippy. Oppa. <laughs> and at this point, you step off of water and your feet sink into cool sand. You have never felt I've got real texture in the dreaming. Yeah. And as you reach down, this sand is fine black sand. Either of some volcanic rock or black glass, obsidian even. You don't know. And some ways away, it is always hard to tell distance in the dreaming, there is the flickering, dancing light of a campfire and the hunched shape of several figures in silhouette against this fire in the distance. Ernest reaches around to the small of his back and is like, as he pulls Derekalo's pistol around, and he slowly slips it up the arm, uh, like the uh, arm of his shirt, of his um, like coat, up, and he kind of curls his fingers around to hold it. His coat that he doesn't have anymore. Ernest goes to like stow in his jacket, and he's, he's not there. But then, then again, you are in the dreaming. Yeah, you yeah. can control how you look in the dream. He thinks about it for a moment. Their dreamers too. They'll know what I'm planning. And he rolls his shirt up. And he just holds the gun in his hand. Rolls his shirt on both sides. He's just wearing like a denim, uh, like long sleeve shirt. Yeah. He rolls it up and he holds it in his hand. And he's going to walk out to meet them. Okay. You step out onto the sand, and for the first time as well, Ernest, in the dreaming, you feel that you have weight. Your feet sink into the sand. You are almost feeling a little out of breath. You're having to walk. It, it's harder work to walk on sand than it is to walk on mm-hmm. polished glass-like water. Um, as you approach, well, I'm imagining because we're still kind of technically underwater. Mm-hmm. With every step, it like plumes up and back. It does a little bit, yes. And here and there, you can see these strange flowing shapes that seem almost like seaweed. And as you look up. You can see the shimmering of starlight on the surface of the water, high, high above you. Ernest keeps walking into the darkness. He says, I am the master of the lantern. Give me light. And he holds out his other hand, now holding the lantern. And light plumes out from it to... He kind of twists the, the lantern around in his hand. Says, well, you were born of the forefathers. These are your lands. Guide me on, old friend. And he follows the light. You approach this campfire, and it takes a long time. It takes much longer than you would have thought. But as you get closer, 
the fire comes more and more into focus and these shapes around the fire grow dim and distant, all but one, with his back to you. You can see the silhouette of a man sitting on a log in front of the fire. The other silhouettes, the figures that you had seen, they're still there, but it's as if they are at further of a distance. Mm -hmm. Hard to see, hard to make out. But as you approach Ernest, drifting through the water, you hear music. A single, lonely guitar. As you approach, you can see the flickering flame, ever burning, never consuming the timber. The flickering shadows dance out, and you can see that this man sitting on the log is on the short side, he's a little bit stocky. He has long, unkempt hair, a long, bristling beard. His face is gaunt. His, his eyes are close-set and deeply sunken. But his fingers move lightly with energy, with verve and poise. With a brass slide on his finger, he trails it delicately up and down the strings, creating this warbling, sad melody. He doesn't look up as you step into the firelight. Ernest stows the the handle of the um, the lantern onto like a metal clip that he has on his belt and he squats down the gun kind of between his legs next to the fire. He doesn't fully look at the man while looking at the fire on the guitar. The song doesn't stop. He doesn't stop playing. Ernest watches for a while. You can roll... An intelligence check for me, Ernst. Could you pass me my cheese dice? Quick, Aubrey, the cheese Quick. dice. The cheese <laughs> dice. Uh, with my pluses, I got three. So. There is, there is something about the eyes, Ernest, that seems familiar, but also 
it puts you on your guard. Whoever this is, you don't know why he is in the dreaming. You have... You have at least taken from what you've been told that there is only ever one dreamer at a time. Dreamers are once in a generation... It wouldn't make sense for there to be multiple dreamers. So you don't know who this is. This man who sits on the floor of the great sea of dreams. He's not looking at you. His eyes are on the fire. Uh, Slowly drifts his eyes around and then back to the gun in his hand. Well walked, pilgrim. I haven't been walking in a long time. I don't get out much. What's the news on the road, pilgrim? The eyes flick up to meet yours. He meets them for a Always on the up and up. Always on the down there. Is that meant to mean something more than just eh? Meh. It's going bad for some people. It's going good for other people. Depends on what side. (laughs) I think we both know who it's going good for. It's mother and very few other people. The the steel of the shifts into a minor chord. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the sound too drips. Much of the Good music. luck, Chester. Well, you, you don't have to match. the The sound dips as he pulls um, pulls the brass across the strings. I can see you've got a question you can ask. I'm not going to bite. Another dreamer. Um, sure, let's say that. Another dreamer. On whose payroll, I suppose. <laughs> oh, you're serious? Yeah, I'm payroll. Bad. Yeah, it's I'm, colloquial. Oh, I don't know. I get about thirty dollars an hour, and, and, and I get dental. Yeah, great. Oh, you're American, aren't you? Canadian, actually. Um, mm, it's so much better. Oh, it would be very different to an Australian, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Wh- okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> but he's still playing. The playing doesn't stop. But he's now looking you in the eye, and there is something about this that is unerringly familiar. Deeply um, unsettling. If you ro- roll, roll intelligence again. <laughs> Eleven's that'd be an unnatural fourteen. <laughs> there, there is this sneer that he gives you, and you are just powerfully transported back to watching your your grandpa Edgar, um, with your dad maybe. And literally, your grandpa going like like making the puppet hand motion while he's like mocking your dad for something. Eh? What, grandpa? 
car? <laughs> I mean, look, I know I look old, but no. What are you doing down here? Take a flying leap, Ernest. What does it look like I'm doing? How do you know my name and I don't know your name? Oh, probably because we weren't introduced. Probably because you weren't born when I died. <coughs> Grandpa? Excuse me. I'm not your grandfather. You know your grandfather. Other grandfather? <laughs> no. I mean, you look... Oh, look. You look more like your mum than your dad, which is a good thing. Um... The Marsh family genes are iffy, um, let's say. Ernest pauses. Putting two dude and two together. And he flicks and clicks the like empty chamber, showing Derek Harlow's gun. Makes four. Nice antique. Got a lot of history. That gun. What are you doing down here, Tuck? Oh, you do know who Uncle, I am. Unky Tuck. Unky Tuck. Unky Tuck. Yeah, you you were not born. Unky Tucky. Tonga Tonga. Don't like Tonga. Don't like that. <laughs> Again, um, Ernest. All right, since we're family. Tuck, yes. I, I feel like you should call me. You're looking at that. The beard is like mid chest. It's very, there's a lot of volume here. He looks like he has been down here since the mid 90s. Uh, looks like the kind of guy that's been building custom cars for like 60 years. That's yeah. what I'm imagining. He looks like he's been a member of, of the Hells Angels for yeah, a long time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he says, I don't know that we're on first name. All right, look. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate gonna uh, the first part. I'm no, I'm not gonna level with you because uh, who gives a shit? But what does it look like I'm doing, Ernest? Again, I'm playing you, a guitar. Yeah, wow. There we go. That's what I'm doing here, Ernest. And following on to the next dot, rub those two synapses together. See what you get. <laughs> Brain cell. Oh my. Brain you know, juice. You just you, you just have a flashback to brain juice. Right. <laughs> This is the first conversation that I've had in I don't know how long. You're killing it, man. You're killing it. What do you want me to say? I haven't changed. Back there Nothing's second. changed. Major pause. Yep. yep. No, uh, I've gotten the picture. I've, see, I've seen the memos. You know, I've, I've, I've been there. I've seen that. I've seen the deets. I've talked to Jack about it. I know the general goss. I'll yeah, level well, with you. Jack will give you a different... I know, you were so no. much nicer. <laughs> uh, that's not what I was going to say. Anyway, no, I'm here, I'm playing music. If I stop, I die. Well, I'm already dead. I don't have a body. Same thing. Hey, br- hey! I don't have a body. Yeah, yeah, I know. You've been in the dreaming. I know, I know your deal. You're in the dreaming. I live in the dreaming. Why didn't I you see say, why what didn't you, you say do. anything? You're like the most powerful dreamer alive, and you don't just like stick your hand up and say, "Hey, I can play with one hand." Hello. Well, firstly, there's only so many things you can play with one hand. Do like the beat drumming thing. 
He doesn't like that. But look at this one. Look, you can just do like a little strap <laughs> thing. Ivan, I can do that. You're like reaching over, trying to do it. And as you reach over, Ernest, and you like, you like swipe your hand across yeah, the say, strings. Yeah, there's like a. There is this rumbling across the sand, like a snoring hiccup. And as you kind of turn your head, the flickering firelight, you realize what you had taken to be. Just more of this unending depths darkness. You actually see a movement. You see a rise and fall. And as you squint really hard, you raise your lantern a little higher. And you realize what you had taken for maybe a rock, maybe a boulder. You realize is the corner, just the edge of a scale. And as you raise your lantern higher, you hear Tuck over your shoulder say, Yeah, we gotta make sure he stays asleep. As you take in the full scope that what looks like the size of a battleship is a single scale on the body of some enormous sea beast sleeping here on the floor of the Dreaming. That's what I'm here for, Ernest. I am chief lullaby singer of something or other. Who cares? Neat. Cthulhu. He just says like the the meme like gesturing behind him. It's like who who was doing lullabies before the nineties? Who would you replace? He. With a shrug, kind of tilts his chin over his shoulder. It's bones. <laughs> and, you, and you see flickering in the distance, almost like reflections of this same campfire and other silhouettes. And you remember as you had left the stairs, you thought you saw multiple silhouettes. There's always someone. Part of me wonders... Um, in all this well you know it's hard for the brain to figure out what's what and what fits where I don't know if I'm one or if we're all doing it at the same time across time anyway someone's been doing this job for eons since the beginning I mean this thing has slept since the the beginning of us anyway I'm I'm realizing Aubrey is is drinking beer. I think I think Tuck has a bottle of whiskey or something that he's occasionally taking sips from because it makes more sense to my roleplay. Yeah. Ernest, sit down. Ernest sits. I never knew I was a dreamer until it was too late. And a dreamer, I don't even know what a dreamer is. I've been since I knew that there was more to our world than what MTV could tell me, I haven't had access to that world anymore. I've been here for so long. I don't really know what it means that I'm a dreamer. That's just what Luna tells me. But you're a proper one, apparently. Not just a proper one, you are... 
the champion of the dreaming, whatever that means. I'm not the right person to ask. I don't have anything to tell you on that. So, from one marsh to another, what are you doing, Ernest? Why are you here? Everything's falling apart out there. Yeah. And... I'm putting together what strength I can find because nothing's safe anymore. All right. Sounds fair. To do what? What's the strength for? What's the strength going to do? Here's... Here's the thing. Here's the idea. Sure. The only person who can stop Mother is Mr. Bates. It's the only person that we have a real shot with because there's something stopping the shepherds from intervening. And the forefathers, they... They damn near will kill the shepherd. They split it, at least. And Mother's trying to get herself to that echelon, so... If I can put together enough of a force... He was trying... to stop this from happening a long time ago. I don't think he's entirely evil. I know that's hard for me to say to you, but I don't think he's entirely the problem here. If whatever he is and whatever strength I can muster, it's the best shot. (laughs) Alright. Right. That, um... Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. I mean, who am I to argue? I'm whatever the hell I am at the bottom of the sea playing a never-ending gig for a sleeping that. It's just funny, you know? It's almost poetic in the worst, uh, the the most god-awful way you can imagine. Every single marsh makes the same mistake. And look, that's not a, that's not a jibe at you. That's just us. That's look, that's just what it is. But you do you, Ernest. You go and you you go and figure out your mistake. Well, it's not your mistake. It's my mistake. Well, give me the lowdown so that I can avoid it. What? Historically, Ernest, we always think it's smaller than it is. I thought it was just Mercy's Creek. I was wrong. 
It wasn't just Mercy's Creek, it was the forefathers, it was the layers, it was everything, it was, you know. You think it's just Bates, or you think Bates is the key to whatever. No, I, I don't, I don't. It's not, I don't think it, I think Bates, I think Bates is a resource. And you're right. If I don't speak up about that, the only way it will end up is with all of Tyr and all those organizations entirely dead, or they'll go after him and they'll break their backs in the pursuit because he's too strong to go fully against. And where do we come up with that? He's a resource that needs to be managed. All I'm going to say, Ernest, and take it as... An old man who didn't get to grow old. You don't have that much time left. Make sure that you... Spend it... Just... Spend it well. And if that's that's doing what you think you want to do right now, you do it. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying do what you think you should, but be real with yourself about what you want and what you need and what you really think you should do. Because I never did any of those things. And look at me now. Tuck. Uh, gets up and he dusts himself off. And he helps up the lantern. You're an old man, but you're still st- making the same mistake you were back in Mercy's Creek. Yeah. Yeah, I never stopped. And I'll tell you what that mistake was, and it's different to what you think it is, or at least I think it's different. I should have killed that son of a bitch when I had the chance. And you know what? I was too careful. I was too cautious. I should have known when Jack died, that was it. If I had done what my gut told me to do then, there would be no resource to manage and there would still be a Mercy's Creek. First time, Tuck, we're fully in agreement. Damn straight. You're a coward. And I'll die trying to do better. Because Bates is breaking through into the dreaming. He's coming for you, and he is too strong for just you. Ernest, I'm dead. You're I've still got to know to him. He he stops playing. And as soon as he stops, there is a slow rumbling. Ernest. This is all I have now. I couldn't fight Bates if I wanted to. Rock in a hard place. He starts again. 
You do you. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you what you should do. I am 100% your drop dead, deadbeat, screw up uncle who you shouldn't listen to and is probably going to try and get you to smoke weed. Do I've got, you know, I can only tell you what I know. And what I know is if you're anything like me, you're going to get too focused and you're going to miss your chance. But hey, I hope you do better than me. I hope you try harder. I hope you succeed where I failed. You know, I hope that there is some progress. Ernest walks part of the way out of the fire. He turns back for a moment and says, You're dead. I'm dead. But I'm still kicking. And I've got people around me to make sure I don't miss my chance. You sure about that? You've still got a chance. I know what my chance is, Ernest. It's a long wait. But I'm a patient man. I'll make it worth your while. And he walks off in the dark. That's pretty cryptic. Alistair, you don't know how long you sleep for. Could be 20 minutes, it could be an hour, it could be several hours. It's hard to tell when you when you slept it was dark with the waves rolling and the mist curling in. When you wake, it is the same. But you wake looking into a concerned face as Marv bends over you. Puck's head has like slid up and is now lying on one of his bruised ribs. And like, oh, <coughs> oh, coffee cuts, coffee cuts a lot. Oh. Marv, Alistair, mm-hmm. I need you to. You realize as you're looking up, it's the youngest form of Marv. 
Mm-hmm. I need to talk to you. Please. Okay. Yeah, I'm all ears. What's up? No, no, I need you to come with me. Okay, could you uh, help me up, maybe? Yeah, he does. And it's strange because you have this physical sense that it's a young man. Mm. But even the texture under your hand, his skin goes from young to old to uh. back. It's, it's strange. Okay. He helps you up. And you notice Marv is clutching something to his chest. It is the briefcase, the Ilios laptop that you had come to find. And he is holding it like it is a crying baby. He's cradling it with great care um, and great anxiety as he leads you slightly away from the fire where Nancy is admittedly dozing a little. Uh. And Ernest is sort of snorting in his sleeve. And Puck is... <laughs> in his still. sleeve. Do Hank! You sleep. Alistair is um, only just coming back to consciousness and his head is swimming and there's a lot of pain and he's not had any painkillers. Like, uh, uh, how did you find that? I thought Puck... I guess we are back on the beach. Uh, what can I do for you? Marv, he's, uncle? That's weird. He's that's pacing weird up and down, and now you see the oldest version of Marv, the hunch. That's less weird. Slightly claw-like hands. Alistair. Yeah. This is the moment. This is the turning point. It's now. You, I'm, I know you think it was before, but Alistair, it's now. Okay. This is the point where you have to decide. But it's too late already. Decide uh, what, Marv? What are you talking no, about? No, 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 no. The question, Alistair, is who is there? Who? Who is there? That's what you have to ask. Who is there? And again, now it is the the middle-aged Marv, the Marv that you are comfortable with, the Marv that is the uncle. The most Marv of the Marv. It's the, it's the Marv that, in your mind, it's like when you were about four. This is how you remember Marv being. And the voice is different. This Marv is calmer than both the younger and the older. Ali, you look tired. You okay? No. That's a shame. (laughs) Um, hmm. Get on with it. No, no, no. Um, Wrong way round. Good instincts. Wrong way round. Alistair looks over his shoulder instinctively. What? What are you doing? He looks over his. What are we doing? Where do I need to go, Mark? Are we just jumping... Right into this? What? You're giving me the crazy eye, boy. What? Do- He's holding the. Don't rub thing. it in. I. I um. Hadn't noticed. Wasn't gonna say. Where are we going, Marv? I don't know. And then he splits, and there is three of him standing in front of you. One. 
old, one in the middle of life and one young. And they say together, We know and we don't know. Say that young and say that old. We know and we don't know. We know and we don't know. It's not meant to be like that. We're meant to know, says the young one. The eldest of the three says, We are fate. We should know. And the middle. But it's blurry, Ali. From here it's blurry. And that's scary. He holds out the laptop. The key is locked. But it is the key to the lock. You're not going to like it. Alistair reaches out with a shaking, bloody hand. And he takes the laptop and he says, I never do. No, 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 Ali. And the young one pipes up. You're going to have to move. And the old one. Through heaven and hell, Ali. You're going to have to go through heaven and hell to get what you want. And then the three of them together. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? places a hand to where his eye used to be and feels that kind of surging pain again in the surge of pain as you close your one remaining eye Alistair you get a vision as if through the bloody torn socket you see and you see tall towering dark trees and a babbling stream and then you're back. Ah! What was that? The eye, Ali. What Eyes are a window. What just happened to me? The youngest says, Eyes are a window to the soul. What has he done? He has your eye. What has he done? We don't know. They hold out the briefcase again. The key's locked. But the key will fit the lock. That doesn't make any sense, Marv. He opens the laptop and the, like, the... No, no, we're not going to do that. The body, like, sits up and, like, flops over to try and get closer to the the briefcase. I I think we should really... I think that's a bit too much. I think we've got good momentum here. We won't do that. He holds out the laptop. Alistair's... Snatches it from him and he goes, "You can't, you can't lock a key. A key opens a lock. It doesn't." It's gonna get worse before it gets better. Ali, 
And now it is one figure again, and it is the Marv you remember. Marv? As a child. And he puts a hand on one shoulder, and the other hand he kind of rests it on your cheek on the back of your head and kind of pulls you in close. Ali, I am so proud of you. More than I know how to say. And I want you to remember that. Okay? No matter what, you got to remember that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Marv. It's okay. And then it is the old one, and the hand kind of supporting your head grips tight. Oh! Be careful. This is so much worse than you know. And then the youngest version of Marv is holding you and the embrace is light. Go quick. Time is short. And at that point, there is an undescribable sound from Ernest Marsh as he wakes. Awake! Hold close your eyes, eyes you do hold dear. Nancy! Nancy! Wake up! Ernest! Help me carry Puck. We have to go. We have to go back. Right now. And you see the... With your freshly awoken eyes, you see the vision of this, this Alistair who looks more like a walking skeleton than a human being at this point. He is unshaven, he's grey, he's thin, he's pale, he's covered in blood. His face is drooping slightly on the right-hand side where his eye used to be, and there is fresh blood dripping out of the socket. And his good eye is darting around crazily as he holds this laptop, as he tries to pick Puck up from the sand. Nancy's helping to scoop her up. Oh, we have to go now. We have to go back. I have to get to Sky, and we. This is gonna get a lot worse. And you can see he's like dabbing at his eye as his blood is dripping out more and more. And you think that should have well and truly stopped bleeding by now. Ernest, it's a lot worse than we thought. Yeah. 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 We have to go back. Where are you going? To Ravenholm? Yes. For now, yeah. We go home. And then Ernest Marsh. Then we end it. I don't know how yet. But it's going to end one way or another. I'm getting my brother first. Whether I go alone or with you, it's fine. I'm getting All right. You hear a familiar voice as a figure moves through the trees towards you. That's uh, pretty convenient. Uh, I was just going to tell you. Well, I've got him. There is the click of a hammer as Ernest has his hand on, like, the... Uh, revolver is back as he just kind of there is a nonchalantly click. glides his eyes over there. Like, mm. There is a click and moving out of the shadows into the light from your little uh, campfire, you see 
a disheveled, wild-looking man with a scraggly, short-cut beard and long hair who is in this ragged, uh, poncho, rain, slicker who clicks and levels a crossbow at you, Ernest. Bad of our bad faces. Sherman! <laughs> yeah? Sorry, it, I haven't been good with faces today. Yeah, I was told that you weren't old. No. I thought that might have been the changeling. Yes, I am ageless, but, you know, other than that. Um, Ernest, at this point, you hear another click right <sighs> in your ear, and you hear a very familiar voice. That's far enough, sunshine. My boys! Shut it! <laughs> Why? Why is everyone so mean to me? <laughs> you turn around to see, uh, and I will give full full leeway to BJ here. What does 15 years later Randy look like? Uh, uh, well, I did not expect that. Okay. Officer Randy stands... Still officer. Fifteen years years later, he's still an officer. Officer Randy stands before you. He has a battered pair of aviators. A different... Cracked. Pair of... Shut up, (laughs) Bobby. A different pair of aviators that are cracked with one of... That's what I was going to (laughs) say. But now it's not your idea, BJ. I I claim full credit. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. that That are... Cracked and, and one like half of one lens is missing. The hair immaculate, slicked back, jet black as always. Definitely dying it. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know with what. <laughs> you though. can't prove that. A <laughs> uh, little bit of stubble. A little bit of stubble. That's that's grain a little bit. A little, little bit of salt and pepper. Just a little bit. He is wearing a bright red. American Civil War era military jacket with buttons that goes down to his uh, his, his knees and underneath it he's wearing uh, high vis <laughs> like like one of those yellow with the reflective striped high vis um, shirts underneath it um, and a pair of khaki shorts that come up well above his knees <laughs> And, and a pair of highly battered steel cap boots with the steel caps very much showing. And you think maybe there's a toe in there as well. <laughs> it's hard to see. And he is holding, with the click that you heard, a cigarette lighter to your temple. Randy, <laughs> you haven't aged a day. <laughs> and Randy... Pulls you in tight and gives you like a kiss on the cheek, like a you know, like a like, like an, an Italian, like an Italian, like Italian like, nuna, like grabs your head. Mwah, mwah. You're a peach. <laughs> <laughs> and that is where we're going to leave it for this episode, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> on that bombshell, I was going to have a big like emotional scene with with. Um, <laughs> Alistair like trying to pick up Puck and carry her and that was going to be my like end to the scene Um, but I'll take Randy instead that's fine